Howard created Tiger Lead Systems. This guy was ahead of his time, but he was very expensive, and I turned it down the first year. And in the second year, at a Star Power conference, I meet Howard, and we're talking. He says, listen, you need to try this. Even though it's a lot more expensive, you're going to get results. So I bought in because I trusted him. That trust was rewarded. And just to give you an idea, we turned the system on. I, I want to say it was like July of 2008, and in August of 2008, one of the first ones that the leads that came in was uh, for a, a buyer doctor moving to town, and six hundred thousand dollars. You can do the math on what that meant in the way of a commission, and we sold them. Bam, done, instant, and it was an eye opener. And I knew then I had made the right decision. Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent and welcome to Success Calls. This month's top agent is Bob Sokoler with Remax in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome to the call, Bob. Hey, Mike, thank you, and uh, congratulations, you pronounced my name correctly, and that's hard to do for a lot of people. <laughs> well, I had a little <laughs> bit of assistance, Bob, and, <laughs> and uh, I'm real excited to have you on yeah. this call today. I can't wait to jump in and learn more about your business. Uh, so let's go ahead and do that. My, my first question for you is, I, I don't want to talk about what you're doing today yet. I want to go back. I want to go mm -hmm. way back in a time machine, and tell us, what were you doing before you got into real estate? So my background, my dad was actually in broadcasting in New York City where I grew up, and he did radio. And I tell this story, and it's kind of unusual. Every night, uh, my sister, brother, and I would listen to him on the radio, and he would um, tell us, okay, kids, time to go to bed. So that was kind of an interesting little uh, growing up thing that really spurred all my interest in radio, which took me into broadcasting in high school and college. And then TV, and I was an anchor and a reporter, first a reporter, then an anchor, for about 25 years in, in all parts of the country. So that's where I cut my teeth, but I knew things were changing. Uh, the salaries that go to uh, reporters, anchors, and the like um, going down as we see more cable stations coming up. So uh, coming up on 17 years ago, I jumped ship out of media uh, broadcasting and got into real estate, which ironically, the background on this was that many of the stories that I did for both hard news and for feature news surrounded a homing, home building or construction or the size of closets, things that were unique to an individual house. And so I felt, okay, if I really liked doing that, let me gravitate towards that in my next career which is what I did that was 17 years ago. Well, that explains. I, I was curious, how did you make that leap? How did you get into real estate? Obviously, your income was uh, falling a bit because of the dynamics of the industry mm -hmm. that you were in and you wanted to earn some more, but why you chose real estate specifically? Did you look at other industries? Why did you pick real estate? You know, I, I looked around trying to figure out what would I like to do. I love photography. Uh, I love um, video. I love meeting and talking with people. So each of those things were attractive, but 
quite frankly, if you stop about and think about what our industry does, it combines all of that. So I was able to put everything together. And for anybody who's sitting there going, oh, and, and by the way, my last location that I worked in was Louisville, Kentucky. So I made the transition from Louisville broadcast to Louisville real estate. And by the way, I'm still doing a radio show, which is uh, broadcast uh, every Sunday morning on real estate. But for anybody who, anybody who thinks, well, that made it easier, the first four years were a disaster. Because think about it, if you're going to buy or sell a home, would you trust the guy on TV or the lady on TV with one of the most important uh, acquisitions of your life? No, it wasn't the case. So I had to prove myself over and over and over again for, I would say, at least four years. All right, a couple quick questions. So yeah. Uh, this is a second career for you. How old were you when you made that transition? So I am, um, I am about to, within as of recording, uh, within the next month, turn 65. So I would tell you, back it out, I was probably 56? No, what would that just take? I think about 48, did you say 17 years ago? 17 years. I'm turning 65. 20 would be 45, so, so 48 years or 49 years old. Yeah, right, yeah. So yep. yeah, so people that are listening right now, and they're thinking about a second career, that'll kind of give them some space, uh, some idea there. And it's interesting to me because, you know, we, we try to create celebrity in our industry right now and become an expert. And you're mentioning mm -hmm. that it was actually a challenge for you. So the first four years were hard. What do you mean when you say difficult? What, what kind of business were you doing the first couple of years? Let's start with the very first year that you transitioned. What was going on then? Yeah, so that's, and that's a great question. So I had chopped around at different brokers throughout Louisville. I went to a real estate school and then you start looking at different. And, and what I found was that the, most of the broker owners who interviewed me were simply looking out for their bottom line. They figured they get somebody online, maybe he sinks, maybe he excels. And I think looking at how we all do our business, I think that still happens today. But then I had sent out an email to members of uh, the community, the real estate community saying, Hey, I'm about to be one of you. Let me know if you've got something open. So that was kind of an easy open to let them know I was out there. And I got an email and then a call from a guy named Harold Take, who was the broker owner of Remax Properties East. And he brings me in. He says, let's go to lunch. And he takes me out to a nice country club. You sit down. He says, look, if you come out on your own, you're going to make mistakes. And it's going to be, could be very costly mistakes. And I think we all know that's very true. He said, here's my vision for you. Let me ask you to join a team. They will keep right over you. Just make sure you don't make mistakes. You'll learn from them. They're the best. And I remember this is 2004, which was really early on in the team building eras, right? I mean, when you stop and think about that. So that's what we did. I, I, Everybody else was kind of blasé. This guy comes across and sincere and has a plan for me. And I joined. And that was 17 years ago. I have not left Remax Properties East. Uh, I've been asked to go a variety of locations. I turned them down. I have been and will be to the day I die uh, loyal to this guy, Harold Tag, who um, he in himself retired this past year. And it turns out the guy who took over his position is also a dear friend of mine who ran a team, second to mine, by the way, in case Joe Hayden is listening. 
uh, but still a very good team and a very great, great guy. So we get along very well, and I'm very loyal to him, as we were both very loyal to Harold. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. And so what, that's how, how you I got, got in. It. That first yeah. year you were on a yeah. team, but yeah. you said it wasn't going well. So yeah. what do you mean by that? What kind of production did you do first year? What do you think were the challenges? Good. Good. I'm glad you brought me back to that. So here's what I meant by it wasn't going well. Obviously, we have both local and national leads coming to us as individual realtors on a regular basis. And locally, I was not doing any production because my gut is, even though I was out there, I was not the agent to go to. I didn't have a reputation, though they know my name, but they didn't trust my name. They didn't trust me. But those moving to the city from outside, name did not matter. Was I a viable realtor? And I, I had some basic knowledge, which I recommend to any agent listening or team owner. Make sure your agents not only know the basics of how to work a contract, but to know knowledge about a home when you walk through it, things you can point out, things that are good and bad. Also know a lot about a home inspection so that you're able to help them. And again, you always use the term if you're talking about, let's say, a water heater and see some corrosion on a, a copper pipe above it. Hey, listen, I'm not a home inspector and I don't play one on TV. I always put a little humor in it, (laughs) but this looks like this could be a problem, not an expensive problem, but we would certainly want to look at that when the home inspection comes back. So you're adding value. You're not just a door opener or a cab driver to get somebody to the house. So what I found was I was excelling in internet leads and I was an early adapter in my first year having a lot of background in technology because what I didn't tell you is that in addition to doing hard news for a number of years and what we call soft news in the in the industry in TV and radio. I also did stories about technology. I actually will tell you a little thing that you may be shocked at. When you think for a second, Mike, when you go back to your original computer, when did you buy your first computer? Can you can you point My that out? My first computer was uh, late 80s. Okay. So my first computer was... 1981. It was an Atari, (laughs) if you want to call it a computer, an Atari 400. And at the time, the local bank in Baltimore had a promotion going. If you you deposit $10,000 in their account, they would give you an Atari 400, which I did. And then I upgraded almost immediately to an Atari 800. It was a membrane keyboard versus a typing keyboard. And then from there, ended up going with an Apple, but all my friends turned out had a a, mat, a PC, so I sold that. Anyway, by 9394, I, uh, I was already into computers big time learning about them. So my background was technology, computers, photography, as I mentioned. So that helped me, and yet I was able to bring all this into my real estate world, and I was an early adapter of PPC, pay-per-click. So early on, I was doing PPC, That brought me international and national leads coming in, which is how I was able to keep my business growing. And I think in the first year, I was close to my net net was about 90,000. 
So that was a, a big year, even though nothing local. That was what was driving me crazy. And that happened year after year after year until my, I started getting a reputation locally uh, as a decent, a decent guy and a decent real estate agent. And then my local business started to grow. It's really interesting. So I, when you first started down that path, I thought you were going to say you tapped into relocation business, uh, relocation companies and referrals. But what was happening was you were putting information out there on the internet and you were getting these leads to come in that direction. Mm -hmm. 2003, 2004, that's before YouTube. Uh, Google was just getting rolling. Uh, so you really were on the cutting edge. And as YouTube came on board and became uh, a bigger force, I was doing videos then. In fact, I still have copies out there, some of my first videos that I put up on YouTube. But early on, you, you really got to know the fact that video was going to play a very important part in the future of real estate, not only showing homes off, especially during these times, but also helping to recognize an individual to make sure that uh, they're in front of a potential buyer or seller and they get to know your personality. Because if you think about this, Mike, every time we look at a newscast, whether it's a national or a local newscast, we're, we're beginning to identify with one anchor or another. And you yourself in Denver, um, you've got uh, KUSA there, right? I don't know if that's the station that that's you... That's true, yeah. They're, they're a Gannett. I used to work for Gannett in Atlanta and um, at the local there, and I knew KUSA very great station. But let's say you watch them and you watch this one person or two or three people, you feel like you got to know them. Well, doing videos for real estate will do the same thing for a potential buyer or seller if you're yourself, if you, you act your own personality. You don't put an air on of being you know, special. Like right now, as we're talking, I can tell you, you're wearing a suit and tie. And for those who can't see me, I'm in a open collared shirt, kind of a stressor but nothing major and that's kind of the thing that i portray to buyers and sellers i work strictly now with sellers not so much in the way of buyers but uh sellers and that in itself helps me relate to them now if the seller is looking for somebody in a suit and tie i'd say look go call mikey's over in denver but truthfully they i think many of them will want to see something somebody who's on their level because it's rare you go to their house and they're wearing a suit and tie. In fact, I don't remember in my career that ever happened. By the way, you may be able to hear it raining. It's pouring in Louisville right now. <laughs> it is. You know, that's a really good point. And I, uh, I was always taught you dress to the people that you're going to be uh, with. So mm -hmm. if they're in a suit and tie, you want to make sure you're in a suit and a tie. You want to be at their level or above. You don't want to be below, right? So if they're in a suit and tie, you don't want to wear your T-shirt and flip-flops. You'll feel more comfortable. You'll be more at ease. And let's face it, I have a feeling that the majority of agents who are watching us right now, they're either going to be in a t-shirt or they're going to be in a shirt. So I'm going to say, Mike, take that tie off <laughs> right now. If you want to take that tie off, I challenge you. Let's get down to the real nitty gritty, but be yourself, right? Okay. You don't have to do that, but yeah, I got it. Yeah. Uh, very good. Well, Bob, let's do this. Let's Let's move forward in time a little bit. Let's let's change the topic. Let's go to. Uh, I'm going to do a quick session with you, if that's okay, so people can absolutely get to know go for it today. Yep. and and get some of your information. So we're going to do a fast round. Uh, first of all, what's the name of your team? If somebody wants to look you up and learn more about it. So we. This is a great question because we're kind of confusing. 
if and by the way, if you look up my name and you spell it correctly, Bob, and then it's S O K O L E R. Do a Google search or do a YouTube search. You'll see a lot of videos, and a lot of background on me. But our name is the Sokolar team. It used to be the Medley Sokolar team. It used to be the Medley team when I joined them. So here's the succession. It was Medley team. Then we combined forces after I had a lot of experience, and it became Medley Sokolar. Then from that point on. Uh, they were planning on retiring, and I was their their retirement uh, guy to do this. So I ended up buying their their business, their book of business. And then it was still the Medley Sokolar team until my dad, I loved him, I miss him so much right now, uh, came down one day to visit me for my birthday. And he says, Robert, because that's what he called me, Robert, why is it the Medley Sokolar team if you're now the head of the team? People want to talk to the head guy. So I want you, what do you think about, you know, he did not want you. What do you think about swapping it to Sokolar Medley? I said, dad, I'm making an executive decision. As of July, my birthday is June 21st. As of July 1, it's now the Sokolar Medley team. And the cutest thing on this, Mike, is a month later, he calls the switchboard. And my, my office manager says, Bob, your dad's on the phone. I go, oh, well, let's put him through. I said, so dad, why are you calling the switchboard? He said, I wanted to see how your people were answering the phone, if it was the Sokolar Medley team or if they were still going with the Medley Sokolar team. It was the <laughs> cutest thing. He was in his 80s. He's passed away now four years. And I, again, you know, like you miss your mom and dad. It's true. So then it became the Sokolar Medley team. And then 11 years later, this was, I think, in 2008 we did this. So it was really in 2019 I finally – because I loved the Medleys. They're still with us. Their son even is an agent with us. But Bob and Fran had, had been out of the picture since 2008. So last year, 11, what, 11 years later, I finally said, okay, we're dropping the Medley. We're going to go now with just the Sokolar team. Bob, so it's the Sokolar. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm just got one more t- line on this for you. So it's the Sokolar team. But then we also, our website is WeSellLouisville.com. So that's one of our monikers. And then we have a sub name of the real estate bulldogs because I used to own two bulldogs. I love them. I miss them as well. They've passed away. So that's, that's the genesis and how it worked. Maybe a long line way to get there, but now you know. You brought us right around. So yep. I actually want to dive into that because you've got an unusual experience. Uh, you have a succession situation where there was an existing team. You joined the team. You ended up purchasing the team. There mm-hmm. was a transfer of ownership and power and everything. And that's an unusual topic. And I, I want to actually stay there for a minute. Yep. Um, if you can flash back in your mind to 2008 when that happened, could you tell us Things that people would want to know is how do you value a team? That's something everybody always wants to know, and you actually did it. Yep. So instead of theory, tell us how did you value this team in this situation? What kind of structure was in the transaction? You don't have to give us exact numbers unless you want to, but some of the particulars that people would use if they were in this situation that you were. So at the time, again, this is 2008, very difficult to value a team. We went searching, and by the way, since that time i should give a shout out real trends and steve murray who is known in the industry has actually made a uh, a business of being able to help agents value their team so if you are looking to purchase or sell i would reach out i'm sure he's still doing it well known good guy we talked 
um, but to move it forward. So at that time, there were a couple of people who I went to um, nationally, mostly one in Lexington. We looked at the books and we came up with a value. And to tell you the truth, uh, let's, I'm going to pull a number out of minute because I really don't remember specifics, but let's just say that the company, the business was worth $250,000. Originally, Bob and Fran wanted me to take a personal loan against my own credit to buy it. And I said, listen, I'm not going to do that because I, as much as I love them, we didn't know, especially in 2008, what the heck was going to be happening, right? With the market, especially with what was happening with appraisals and, and uh, the industry. So I said, I'll tell you what, let's work out a percentage of what where the value is that I'll work toward. So either you trust me in me enough to know I'm moving the, the ball forward and paying you off, or we just won't do this. And they did. And so we started with 10% for the first two years, and then 5% of, and this is gross revenue, for each additional year. And what we ended up doing, originally the plan was to pay them back, I think in five years at most. And I think we did it in three or three and a half years. So we did really well. And then we started growing the team in addition. So I added on agents and that became an issue. Uh, commission split will always be a problem. You may know I also am a coach for Verl Workman and uh, we have a specific guide on what the commission splits should be and how they can work. But that, that was a big issue and continues always to be a big issue because you do have heavy hitters who outperform newer agents. So in technically, are you going to pay them the same split if they're kicking, you know what, as opposed to somebody who's just coming on. So there, there is a difference in opinion, but anybody wants more information about they, they need to call Verl Workman and he'll tell you the story. Yep. This is really interesting. So you all established the number and then uh, you had a payout where you uh, paid mm -hmm. a certain percentage of the gross revenue, the GCI, mm -hmm. until yep. that number was met and then that completed the contract and the goal was right. to do it in five and you did it under that. Yep. To find the number, the 250 or whatever the number was, yep. do you recall the process? Was it a multiple of the net? Was it right. a number you guys just picked out of the air? Was it a, a, a multiple of revenue? Do you recall the process for valuation? It was uh, vaguely. Mind you, this is now going back 12 years ago, or even when we started into this, it's really 13 years ago. So we took a multiple. What we fir First thing you need to do when we get into this is you need to look at the books, but also realize whether the books are cooked or if they're straight, right? Because um, even though you're getting income from the broker, which should be pretty straightforward, there are expenses and you need to account for how much are expenses legitimate and how many, how much are not. And anybody who's self-employed knows what I'm talking about. So that was the first thing. Once we established that this was a legitimate number, then we looked at the multiples of, and again, that's a little vague on what the actual multiple was on how much we, how we valued it. But we did come up with the goal obviously is to agree on that evaluation of the, of the business and then the valuation of the business. Um, and so we ended up with, again, I'm pulling a number out of midair, but 250, maybe something close to it, but that was where we were. Very good. Thank you for yeah. walking us down that people yeah. are always asking and 
you mentioned, I think, Murray and then uh, Steve, Steve Murray that over at McLean International. A lot of people are helping out in that space, but it's a pretty thin space. There's not a lot of information yep. there. So I wanted to dive into that. Let's get back into our speed round, though, because yep. people need yep. to know more about you, Bob. Sure. So uh, you're in Louisville. So I was going to say, what's your service area? I assume it's Louisville, Kentucky. Does it go beyond that? I'm also licensed, uh, and my office manager as well, we're brokers in Southern Indiana as well. So we cover both Southern Indiana and Louisville and the vicinity around Louisville, which is a, about a 60-mile radius to the south. Uh, very good. And, and, and number of years the, in the business now, I think you mentioned, what, 16, six, 17 Yeah, years? 2004. So depending upon when you're hearing this, I'm either approaching the end of my 16th year or starting in my 17th year. Fantastic. A couple more quick questions. How many homes did you and your team sell last year and what was the sales volume? Volume of uh, 90 million and I think we were 375 homes last year. Here's a little warning to everybody because this happens to everyone that you need to make sure you have a team agreement with an agent if you're growing a team that says when you leave the team, this is what happens. And in our cases, you can continue working with the clients, but you still remain on the split that we agreed to when you leave back to us. And if that doesn't happen read between the lines, you then need to bring in a mediator or arbitrator to make the decision. And then if the agent who's left the team doesn't agree with the mediation or arbitration, you need to move forward legally. But I would tell you it would be the wrong thing to do to move forward legally during a COVID-19 pandemic. So read between those lines and you understand what I'm up against. And, <laughs> sounds, and what, what sounds we're doing. like something's happening. And yep. that's the reason we have written agreements, right? So you mm -hmm. have a written agreement. You're recommending everybody else right. have a written agreement with their team right. members. I completely right. agree. Uh, have an attorney review as well. Have an attorney review it as well. Yep. No doubt. Because there's certain things you can and can't enforce in your state, depending on those rules. And that's, that's why correct. you need an attorney. That's um, correct. But just to have one kind of help, helps set that parameter of how people are going to act with one another and, and mm -hmm. solves a lot of problems. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, well, you mentioned you sold 375 homes last year, and that's phenomenal. Do you recall what your GCI was? Uh, it, yes, I do. As a matter of fact, it was 1.25 mil. Our average sale price, I think it was hovering around 230. We do, do a couple of, not pro bono, but reduced commission for people who are in need, it's kind of our way of giving back to the community. So this skews the number a little bit. Sure. And yep. um, your average sales price there, I had figured it out to be about 240. Does that sound correct? Yeah, exactly. That's right in that area. You better believe it. Again, it, it may skew a little high, a little low based on the fact that we, we do a little pro bono work on, again, it's not completely, but it, it is reduced commission. Very good. And then the percentage of sell seller transactions to buyer transactions? Mm -hmm. So I estimate when I talk about this, uh, my team is uh, 20 agents in addition to myself. Um, I have admin of four admin people. Um, if you're watching the replay on this video, you may have just seen my assistant just walk in to give me a note and because I had asked her to move my four o'clock appointment up to um, 2.30 and she was able to do that. That way I get I can start, we're taping this on a Friday. I get to start my weekend an hour and a half earlier. So that works really well. I'm very happy. Thank you, Susie. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. So, uh, yeah, so she helps a lot. So um, 
typically what I suggest, what I think we do when you cut down the numbers, 70% went of buyers, which my agents do. It's, it is very uh, inefficient for a team owner or leader to be out in the car with buyers. The, the, the sweet spot are sellers because you're there, then you service them. So I'm about 30%. Uh, I can tell you I did 110 uh, closing sales last year myself. So just extrapolate the numbers and you can pretty much, it's maybe plus or minus on the percentage, but that well, gives you a Can you tell me idea. that number again? You said your own personal production was what? 110 homes. 110 what, what closings yeah. on your own and you're yeah. focusing on listings. You're the listing agent on the team? Right. Right, exactly. And the way I work this is just so you know, because I think this is good insight, uh, though it's ethical and moral uh, based on what our the National Association of Realtors says in most states, and again, check with your individual state, I don't think it's personally right for me to represent both sides. And realizing that a money issue for a lot of agents, they want to op operate both sides. But I think if you're working with the seller, um, you want to donate and devote everything you've got to that seller side. How do they know that you are not telegraphing the information to the buyer side? So I'd simply tell my sellers, I will never bring a buyer. If a buyer comes to me, I send them directly to my agents because they do not talk to me about clients. And that's a promise that I keep. It's, I think it's a small twist, but I, to me, I can sleep a lot better at night. You betcha. And, and our industry has worked through that over the years. Yep. Uh, and again, as you mentioned, your state will give you some particulars on what you can and can't do, but that you still correct. may have the option and have to decide. So it's good to get your insight. Also, I assume that you have a lot of leverage by working with just the seller side. You become a specialist. You have more control over your time. Uh, you're probably earning a big portion of your net income on that listing side. It is absolutely right. And I will tell you for any team lead, um, again, not to overly promote Verl Workman, but to tell you, uh, this is a man who knows his stuff. This past January before the pandemic hit, my son, and we can get into this, he's part of my business as well. Um, and I flew down to Leverage, which this past year was in Orlando, and we had dinner with Verl, and we did a deep dive. And what I found out to my chagrin that I was actually from my profits of my production was actually going to help offset the number of leads we were buying through different systems. So I was actually supporting them. And if they're not doing their job, then I'm, I'm just wasting money down the drain. So we've made some changes based on that dinner conversation, scaling back, promoting in other ways. And I think it's to our benefit, but I think the point out of this for any team leader or agent who's working on a team or wants to create their own team is you need to do a deep dive on the numbers and check to see what your production is. Now, I'm not ready to retire, but I know that if I wanted to retire, someone would have to sit, get step into my shoes. Hopefully my son would do that and then take over the production side of it or scale everything back, get rid of the buying leads uh, and marketing reduction and then work it as a more tight knit uh, company or individual agent or multi, just a couple of agents on the team. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. 
That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Let's talk about the team for a second. You yep. already outlined it a little bit. Thank you for doing that. You said you got 20 agents on the team. You've got mm-hmm. four admin. Uh, and then you've got yourself as the team lead. Um, and you also mentioned that it's really important to get those splits right. Uh, and it's harder to change down the line. So for someone mm-hmm. listening who's thinking about putting a team together, you can really help them out. Or even somebody who realizes things aren't working quite right. What do you recommend for splits uh, in a team situation or a team environment? Number one, <coughs> I get choked up over this. Number one, <laughs> decide what you're going to do if you're growing or starting a team well before you actually bring on your first agent. It is very difficult, if not impossible, to change the splits once those agents are on board. The recommendation for the most part is 50-50, 50 to the agent, 50 to the team. To do that, you have to show value in what you're doing. And that means being transparent enough to show or open your books and say to your team members, look, here's what my expenditures are on a monthly basis. And this is why 50% of the uh, profit that you bring in is given to me. You also have to be upfront as well and say, look, I'm in this business to make a profit just like you. So I have to be able to take home a couple of bucks from everything you do because I'm overriding and I'm putting the, the machinery and the wheels in motion. What I would tell you from my own personal experience is that I did not follow that upfront. And I went with a different structure that I'll keep confidential because in my city, if someone listens to me, they can use that either for me or against me. And let's face it, it's a competitive business. But if you started out a different split, it's very difficult to reduce that split to an agent once they're rolling. You can do a, you can um, grandfather them in the agents into the old uh, splits and then bring in new people at a, at a different split, which is what we actually did. So a, a little insight to you. Um, and again, it depends on your brokerage. It depends on how many leads you're supplying. Most brokers try to get a buyer in by, or not a buyer, but a, an agent in by saying, hey, listen, we're going to supply you with this amount of leads. I can tell you from just recent personal experience, one of the newest agent that we brought on, which was, she was very green and she came in during the COVID-19. So it's very slow getting her going because it's a a a different community right now of sales. But she had done some shopping and one of the um, places she went, the broker says, listen, if you come with us, we can tell you you're going to get five leads a month just by being with us. And then I, Took her once she had met there. I came, brought her over to my office and desk, and I said, "Okay, let me just show you by the volume the number of leads my agents are getting." Now, with Workman, we recommend twenty-five to thirty most per month per agent. That's all they can handle. But again, I started in a different world before I joined up with Verl and and his Workman team. Um, so my agents, and I'm cutting it back. My agents at the peak were getting 100 leads per month. That's a lot of leads. And so what they were ending up doing, and they know this because I have talked to them on this on a regular basis, we just drilled on this this morning, is that they were grabbing low-hanging fruit and letting the fruit a little higher 
just mature on the vine or be picked off by other agents in the market. So the goal is to try to find the sweet spot, but not to do it when you have an established team by just cutting the, the legs out from under them and saying, okay, you've been getting 100 leads per month. Now we're jumping it down to 25 leads. But that, that I won't do because I I, I, I've been on the other side where I know the feeling of that happening. So I don't want that to happen. But ultimately, I think what it comes down to is you find the right mix. There are different theories belong to mastermind groups and discuss this. This is the number one thing that I think many agents and teenagers, and I'm just going on to a different tangent here, but follow me for a second, Mike. The team leads and agents don't do is invest in their own business or themselves. So one of the things that I've done that, again, Bob and Fred Medley instilled in me at a very, in my first year, you have to go to and the, the premier and still today, I'll mention the name and I'm hoping that people are listening, this will go, you got it, Bob. The, pers- the place to go was star power, a guy named Howard Brinton. Howard Britton was a, a star in himself. You can do the research on him. He passed away a number of years ago. I think it was bone cancer. He was ultimately the most incredible sales guy, but just great sharing. And through every year that we went, at first my... Um, my partners and then my wife came into the business she's since passed away from breast cancer but we all went and it was a, an incredible event and it was all thanks to not only howard Britton but all the stars who are stars in their own communities who shared so many ideas i'll just give you a quick idea mike and i don't want to ramble but you and you redirect me at your leisure but i remember like in my second or third year bob and fran saying to me you know, there's a guy in Atlanta named Zach Pasmatic, and he has a moving truck. Do you know Zach? Yes. Just a, yep. amazing guy. <laughs> so, and I, I would follow what he did and what he was doing, and I would say, this, is a, this really is a good idea. And so in 2006, we got a moving truck, basically the same thing, and we did the same thing that Zach did. Years, and Zach was a star, and he was just amazing. Years later, not only did I get to meet Zach, but we've become extremely good friends. I haven't seen him in the past year or so because we haven't been at conferences together. But I will tell you one quick story. It's because of Zach Pasmatic, because of our friendship. My son was going to go on a trip, and I, we were worried about danger. And Zach said, hey, I've just been there. Let him go. We did. He ends up meeting his future wife, who ended up joining us as one of our best agents. And they both, my son and and my daughter-in-law, who are on our team, um, uh, have two baby, two kids, the two of my five grandkids. So you never know how things are going to materialize, <laughs> but a shout-out to my buddy, Zach Pasmatic, because I love you thanks, dearly. Thanks for I the grandbaby, Zach. Yeah, thanks for the grand, all, my two grandbabies because of that buddy, Zach. <laughs> yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Howard Britton was a phenomenal person, and his oh, star yeah. power group was amazing, yeah. uh, and, and we all miss him a lot. Um, just real quick comment. When yep. you were talking about um, the splits and you were talking about leads and number of leads and things, that's always been a challenge ever since we started to try to create teams. And I don't know how far back it goes, but I was playing with them in the 90s. We had the same problem, cherry picking leads and you give them mm-hmm. too many and they're spoiling and you don't know what to do. I think it's just a constant frustration. You got to work on your own system for handling that uh, for people listening if they decide to go that route. Um, but this is really neat. I want to, I want to, go a different direction. I want to talk about, you said that your son's on the team. 
and you brought him in. How long has he been with you? How do you set up the dynamics so that you don't, you're not too overbearing on him, but you're helping him? You know, how's that work with the, the, the structure of working together with your, with your child, with your son? Mike, this is an incredibly good question. And I hopefully what I'm about to tell you will bring either some smiles or tears to agents who are thinking about doing or are in the middle of doing this. So uh, some background for you. I'll try to fast track it for you. Um, my wife, Noreen, we were married 41 years. She was a travel agent. She ended up wanting, I, I got a client who said, hey, I'm looking for a salesperson. He, has, he was a big builder. She left travel, went to him, didn't like the throw them up against the wall and see if they stick attitude. It was a stick builder, but it made sense. And so um, I said, well, why don't you come join us? So she did. So not only was she my wife, but she was also my partner in this business as we went forward. 2013, we discovered breast cancer. She fought it brilliantly. It came back in 2016 and it took her life. So my son, Greg, was a manager for Best Buys. He was up in New York. When he found out about this, he said, well, would you like me to come? Well, I basically asked, would you come back and work with us? And he said, yes. So that was great, but it did set up some dynamics that are difficult. I'm a baby boomer. He's a millennial. And we just have different work styles. It's just that simple. So uh, at that point, I was coaching with Alex Sharfin. I don't know if you know Alex. He, he, he actually ended up, he did take over Star Power um, for a while. He does a lot of coaching. And at that time, I would tell you that Greg and I were at odds with each other on a variety of things, including his work style versus my work style. And so Alex was brought in on this because I was coaching with him. And Alex basically taught me, I don't know what he taught him because I, I, I can't tell you that I know of anything that he told Greg, but he basically taught me how to live within the confines of what a millennial does or your son or daughter. It's not an easy peasy, quickly adaptable scenario, especially for anybody who is, is used to doing business one way and here comes your son or daughter. But ultimately, one of the things I took away from the conversations with Alex, and I keep with me to this day, is, is that you just need to give your son or daughter a little more latitude than you're used to giving yourself. And that will help it work. Now, there, I will not lie to you. I will tell you, there are challenges still to this day. There are days where I don't think he's doing as much as he could do. And there are days that he will then get upset with me saying, no, I am doing what I think needs to be done, and then some, and then he'll point that out to me. One of the guys who I think has mastered this, in case anybody wants to talk to somebody who else is in the industry, Lee Tessier, who's just out of, um, he's in Maryland, just uh, north, uh, I believe, of, um, of Baltimore. Lee Tessier and his son, Josh, are, work together uh, well. Uh, Lee's also a coach for uh, Workmen, again, shameless plug there, but so, and and I, and you know, there may be uh, infighting that we don't know about, but they do seem to be very much in tune as Greg and I on a regular occasion are. I mean, there, uh, there's a rare occasion, not to paint a picture that we battle, but there are occasions where I think he needs to do more. And I'll, I'll say, listen, I need you to step up to this thing. But for the most part, he, he's there. He's, he's, he took photography, which I was doing and video, and he took it to a whole new level. I'm, I'm so proud of him. He does our radio show with us and he manages our books and he does so much, and I try to. I think the key thing for any uh, any team lead, not if it's 
it, whether it's your son or daughter or any agent, is not to shy away from pointing out the positives that your son, daughter, or agents are doing. Tell them how proud you are of them on a daily basis or weekly basis or point out how many great things that they're doing. I continually say about how, how proud I am of Greg for his photography. And then some of the, his work ethics have really gotten stronger. And that's my exit strategy, just so you know, because I know that's where we're going to go eventually. It's talking about exit strategy for anybody who has sons or daughters. If you can get them in the business, then that works. Now, my two other daughters are very much in the business as well, but they're from the outside, not quite as involved as Greg. So that works as a family business, though that, of course, in itself creates problems. But for anybody who doesn't have a son or daughter in the business, and I've, I've coached other people to do this, is find somebody who you would consider your son or daughter who's in the business. Maybe it's an agent or admin or somebody who is you think could handle it and bring them in. Start with giving them a percentage override of the gross profit or the net profit and then slowly bring them in because that's your exit strategy That eventually. That way you don't have to worry about selling the business or evaluating the business or you just keep up a, with a... But, you know, my exit plan might be, okay, 10% per gross as long as I'm alive or per net. That way I continue to fuel my retirement. And at the same time, he can work as hard as he wants and hopefully bring in more and more uh, deals and, and grow the business on his own. Very good. Well, I'm, I'm excited that you're working together. Um, I, I heard a lot of really good information in there. Number one was open mm -hmm. communication. Make sure you're mm -hmm. talking back and forth. That's what I, I picked up on. There were some conflicts, but you were able to talk through them, work through them, make sure you were both on the same page. And Mike, just FYI, let me jump in. So the key that I may not have pointed out is it doesn't matter who it is, but you, you need a third party in many cases that you can rely on to be the person in between to try to work through them. That's probably the, the most important secret because that dinner I told you about with Verl back in December down in Orlando at, at um, the, this, this conference with him, he, he helped us work out a couple of little, little mini things, but it was still very, very helpful to me. So yeah, but make sure you have that th person you can trust, an outside party that you can go to to help, if there is a dispute, help to solve which direction you need to go. I also heard that you mentioned compliments. You need to make sure that the your, your son, your daughter, your, the person working with you, anybody, but it, in particular them, that you're complimenting them because we have a tendency as parents to ride them a little bit sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, depending mm -hmm. on your st parenting style. And uh, and you you brought up that you need to make sure that you're nurturing them and complimenting them and and pointing out what they're doing right. It's so important. And when you stop and think about it, don't we all as as, as human beings, we want to be told when we're doing good or when we're doing bad. Like I probably don't tell Susie, my assistant outside, how great of a job she's doing. So hold on one second. Hey, Susie, you're doing a great job. <laughs> there you go. Smart man. <laughs> this was witnessed by everybody on who's watching us and listening to us. Susie can never say, well, you never give me any compliments. I gave her a national compliment. There you go. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, I, I don't want to, I want to skip, uh, switch gears for a minute because you have uh, insight again, that's unusual, uh, at least longevity. You, you've got these internet leads that you started early and still, if I understand about 45% of the business is coming in through those internet leads. Uh, could you tell us what you've learned about internet leads over the years? What is working today? Uh, give us some insight there. 
Another great question. Insightful, Mike. And just FYI, if you're watching me, my eyes are glancing back and forth. And the reason is I, that I told you we had a, um, we moved up this uh, listing presentation to uh, 2.30, which is, uh, and I'll leave here in about uh, 20 minutes or so. So we, that gives you a hard wrap out. But as I'm doing that, I realized, whoops, I didn't print out the listing docs yet. So I'm doing that asking at a high level. <laughs> Thank goodness, though, I, I do have the ability to do that. So internet leads are strange. At the very beginning, when I got into it in 2004 and five, I was using a company, uh, Real Pro Systems, um, nothing in the way of um, great success, but enough to offset. Real Pro was then sold by my uh, dear friends who uh, uh, became friends with, um, and it was bought by another company. They're still in existence, but maybe not what they used to be. And um, it brought in, it was a newer thing. It's you know, basically we were getting people to click on us top three within a Google search and you get clicked on and hopefully, and we did, we made, we made money from that. So that was a big plus. But then comes a guy named Howard Tager, 2007 and eight. And Howard created Tiger Lead Systems. This guy was ahead of his time, but he was very expensive. And I turned it down the first year. And in the second year at a Star Power conference, I meet Howard and we're talking. He says, listen, you need to try this. Even though it's a lot more expensive, you're going to get results. So I bought in because I trusted him. That trust was rewarded. And just to give you an idea, we turned the system on. I, I want to say it was like July of 2008 and in August of 2008, one of the first ones that the leads that came in was uh, for a uh, a buyer doctor moving to town and six hundred thousand dollars you can do the math on what that meant in the way of a commission and we sold them bam done instant and it was an eye-opener and i knew then i had made the right decision more recently in the past five years it's gone nuts now howard sold it to but i won't use the name of the company because i'm not a big fan of it they ended up selling it to commissions inc which we're, we're with, and they do a, a good job. We also, a year later or so, bought Boomtown, which is another company. And I know the guys there. They're great people. But the problem that we ended up having that everyone will realize is that instead of being exclusive to a city, in order for them to maximize their profits, they're selling to anybody who has money. So not only do you get the uh, website from them, but your neighbor gets the website and then their neighbor. So all of a sudden there were a lot of people who were delving into what they thought was the goose that laid the golden egg, which was pay-per-click leads. Unfortunately, you have to stick with it and know the operating of how to make it work. So let me give you some quick things. Speed to lead is number one priority if you're going to do pay-per-click. We used to say five minutes to get back in contact with a client uh, to, when they first come in. New not anymore, 30 seconds or better to get to them. And the response that they, you'll, they'll say, wow, that was fast. And then your response is going to be, well, if you think that's good, where do you see our customer service? If you become a buyer with us, you'll be as equally as impressed. You're just going to turn their wow into another experience. So that's a key. Communication, imperative. Um, knowing how to uh, reach out to them via text, email, or um, phone calls nicely um, is important. So th they're, all, they're all threaded through 
And again, there's training in it, but the basic thing is don't overdo it, don't underdo it, don't be too aggressive, be polite. With COVID-19 out there, when, as we're recording this thing, uh, it is very important to basically identify the fact, hey, these are some crazy times right off the top. You know, Mike, the one thing that we all get and we all hate is a sales call from somebody trying to pitch us something, right? There's a common denominator that they all do that we have to identify and never do. So let's say you're the, you're the consumer and I'm selling um, soap. And I call you and say, hey, Mike, how you doing today? Great. See, that right there, how you doing today is the key identifier that they are calling you to sell you something. And I always say, I know you're trying to sell me something. Take me off your list. Goodbye. Click. So when you call a client, now let's say if you're a buyer and you've just signed on, I'm going to say, Mike, Bob Sekoler, Sekoler team, Remax Properties. These, these are some really crazy times. I know it's tough out there. Are you surviving? Do you need anything? So I twisted it a little bit because once you start talking about are they in need or how are they doing, rather than asking them how you doing today, just right off the top, identify crazy times when it's COVID-19. What can, and then how can we help you, basically, if they're signing on to your site? Identify that there's, they've signed on to your site so they know that you're just not cold calling them, that there's a reason that you're calling. Pre-COVID, what would your script have been in that initial callback? Yeah, everything but the, um, the COVID. So, hey, Mike, Bob Sekoler, Remax Properties East, the Sekoler team, just checking in. You signed on to one of our sites looking for a house. Uh, are you seeing what you're hoping to see? Have you seen or found your dream home yet? Don't not stop yet. and ask how they're doing. Yeah, not yet. So look, so let's try to d deep dive into this and let's see what we can do to fine tune it so you can. Have you been out to see any homes? I mean, there's a variety of ways to go with this. Have you been out to see any homes? And if you yeah. say yes, oh, good, that's great. So are you working with an agent? So try to identify agency. Hey, did you check to see how much you can afford? Or you can go with, how, are you paying cash on this thing? And typically that's just the assumptive that they're not paying cash, but you're trying to soft blow it in there. And typically you'll say, no, I'm, I'm going to have to finance it. Oh, great. What lenders have you talked with? Um, just, and then here's one for you. Another script that I, we, we trained on and talked about in star powered days. A, a buyer calls you to see one of your homes. So Mike, I just saw one, two, three main street. I'd like to go out and see it. You got time. And sure. so, sure. But in, so that's what, that's fine. But, would say is reverse it and i would say well yeah sure no problem on that what agent are you working with not are you working with an agent but twist it with what agent are you working with they've been trained buyers have been trained to expect to ask what are you working with an agent and typically they're gonna say no i haven't decided anybody well okay but if you change it to say what agent are you working with they may think that oh he already knows i'm working with an agent so i better be honest and truthful and then the response is if they say well i'm working with bill jones down the block great great agent good stuff do this give him a call and then he'll know how to get in contact with us to show the house and if they push you any further they'll say look we've got a really good work working relationship with all agents in the city the last thing i would want to do is make bill mad at me so just Call Bill, ask him to do it. He'll appreciate that you called him, and he'll know exactly how to proceed to get you in there. Easy peasy like that, right? Very good. So screening through the leads, uh, you had your, your qualifying questions. I noticed you were mixing in open and closed-in questions. 
but basically what you're doing is trying to find out what their situation is and if you have a match. I like how you jumped right into it at the beginning to tell them why you were calling them. Uh, mm -hmm. It makes sense and it's kind of a logical start. Uh, very good. Um, well, a couple quick questions on internet yep. leads. Uh, conversion rate, if you got 100 internet leads today, how many of those are gonna go to a closing? I wish I could tell you the national average, which people quote two, three, five percent. The answer is maybe a half a percent, maybe a quarter percent. It really comes back to our dialogue, which is how do you close them? And the way to close them is to communicate with them, to really get past the, the simple, how are you doing? And you know, is the search working for you? To identify with them to a point where they feel like you really are somebody interested in them. And it might be something bonding about animals, kids, weather. The biggest, the greatest common denominator, I think, is food. And talking about somehow getting into the types of food, where are you looking to buy? Oh, I'm looking to buy in the Highlands. Hey, well, I got to tell you, I don't know if you know much about the Highlands, but there are some incredible restaurants. Oh, I love restaurants. What's your favorite food? Well, I like Chinese. Well, there's a great Chinese restaurant just down the block. And there's also a Vietnamese restaurant. I know your community, obviously. But so now you're bringing them in and you're becoming a buddy. And hey, maybe why don't we just go meet at a restaurant? We can have some wonton soup together. So I mean, it just all it is is it. I know it sounds easier than it is, but I'm just saying, if you can get them on the phone, that's really 80% of it. It's now getting to the point where you can become friends if you know the philosophy. I really like that point that you made right there at the end. You're, you're becoming friends. Yeah. Uh, it's much easier to work with friends uh, for both sides. Um, Bob, uh, you've given us a pretty good vision of, of your, your situation, your team, your, your business. Uh, people are going to be listening to us. They're going to be asking the question, are you profitable? Yes. Um, I would tell you last year wasn't the, the net, net, net was, um, I'll just, let's just say it was shy of a half a million. So that was good. Yeah. Um, That's pretty good. That's about 30% or so. Yeah. You know, depending on who you talk to, it's 20 to 40%. So if we're right in the middle there. We're fine. That's pretty um, excellent. Yeah. I, but which we're always striving to do better and provide a better quality of life for the people who work with us and our agents. And Susie, don't get any ideas that you're going to get a raise from what I just said. <laughs> See, well, you need to pull those early. reserves together for the slow time. So there's a lot of reason for yeah. those, uh, those numbers. Um, Bob, you've been doing this for 17 years, second career. What drives you? Life. It's not. I don't, at this point in my life, I don't have to worry about money and I don't have to worry about, well, healthy, we're always worried about. I, I mean, I think um, Dave Ramsey has it, I think, the best. He's said it the best that you, in this business, you have to have the heart of a teacher. You have to want to help. If, if you go into it with that thought process, and then uh, Barbara Corcoran's, Corcoran's one of my mentors from Shark Tank, and she says that when you get knocked down, and you will, because we all get knocked down, the difference between the person who's successful and the person who stays down and falters, it's not how much time you put into the business or energy, it's how quickly you get up off the ground. And I take and I live that every day, because I've been hit hard, as I told you in brief. 
So it, for me, it comes down to how can I live my life, enjoy it, at the same time help others enjoy their, their lives. I think if we, if we all live by that code, I think we all end up not only being better human beings, but we, we, leave, we leave behind us a, a better community for, for being there, right? Very good. Well, Bob, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I, I'm a big believer in teams, um, major believer in teams. So I would tell you, find a team, interview with teams. The key things you want to talk about are splits and then how many leads that will you get per month. And maybe the splits are important. Maybe the, in my mind, even the number of leads you're going to get per month. And then you need to listen and go to training both within the team, but also nationally. Again, invest in yourself. Um, learn from the best. Join masterminds. They're free. Online Facebook has a whole series of mastermind groups that people are sharing ideas with other people. You can ask questions of other people. Um, I belong to this Remax mastermind. We meet once every other week, though, during uh, COVID. We were meeting every week, and we spend an hour on a Zoom call with each other just discussing ideas and working out problems. But doing that on a regular basis helps you not only to learn more about what other people are doing, but also find out what the, the, what the path that you can take that will help maximize your dollar figure. Very good. Well, Bob, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Listen, this is, these are tough times. I mean, we, we know this, and it's not a script that I'm reading from right now or reciting. These are very difficult times. No matter what we do, we're going to get through this. The concern is, are you going to get through this with your head up high, that you're going to be proud of how you worked and responded through this thing? Or are you going to look back and go, I could have done better, I could have done more? I think if you put your head down and hide in the sand, you're taking the, the wrong way out on this. If you have some problems that are emotional that you're worried about, because we know they're out there and there are people who are very concerned, I think you need to reach out, be, be mindful enough to reach out to a broker or a friend or a fellow agent to let them know you're, you're worried about this or that and see what type of help you can get. But for the most part, if, if you are able to put your head down and keep going forward, it's going to work out, hopefully sooner than later than we all expect. And that's all we can hope for. And I pray for everybody that they do the right thing and keep moving the ball down the road. Very good. Very good. Well, Bob, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today. My pleasure. It really was a great time, Mike. It really was. Uh, thank you, Bob. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us on Success Calls. Keep moving forward. Bye. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. 
Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.